Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulullah wa ba'd My dear brothers and sisters we, One of the things that I encounter quite a lot is uh, Young people asking me Telling me that uh, they don't seem to have passion Or they can't find their passion And uh, can you suggest to me what my passion should be? So I tell them, I suggest to you that your passion should be to serve me for the rest of your life. <laughs> okay, that, that would be an, ide an ideal passion as far as I am concerned. So, <laughs> but, <it's laughs> but that's not, obviously not good for you. So the, I thought let me talk about uh, that and something related with that, uh, which is the issue of depression. Because that's what happens. When you don't have a passion, you tend to get depressed and so on and frustrated. Uh, if you look at road rage, incidents of road rage, you know what is road rage, right? People get very angry when they are on the road and then they kill each other and do all kinds of things. Where does road rage happen? In a traffic jam or in traffic that is moving down the highway at 70 miles an hour? Where does it happen? In a traffic jam. Where they are going nowhere. Road rage happens in a traffic jam where actually you are going nowhere. You are stuck. <coughs> so road rage is not a function of movement. It's a function of getting stuck. And that's what's called frustration. Frustration is where you want to do something. You want to go somewhere. You want some kinds of results to be achieved and you are being blocked. Now, in many cases, we don't realize that nobody else is blocking us. We are blocking ourselves. Now, we all like to say these things. These are all normal, you know, nice things to say. You, know, you, are, your, your, you are your biggest block and the chains are in the mind and whatnot. All these nice uh, quotes uh, from Tom Peters and Yavar Big. But the point is that that's no good. Uh, you, you really have to <laughs> understand what you're saying. Just, just quoting somebody and uh, that doesn't help. So, what must you do? So, handling depression. Now, obviously, if somebody is suffering from depression, I would say definitely also first take some medical advice. But the issue with medical advice is uh, in most places, quite definitely in, the, in, in, uh, in America, probably the highest, is the prescription of unnecessary drugs, of antidepressants and also of uh, actual depressants. Uh, they, they, they try to, they, they seem to have... Uh, uh, diagnosed uh, ADHD as almost uh, in epidemic proportions, which, which, is, which doesn't, doesn't even make logical sense. Uh, but they seem to do that and therefore a huge number of school children, for example, are uh, being given depressants. They are being given drugs to bring down their energy levels and bring down their activity levels and so on and so forth. So one must uh, take that also with uh, some caution. Uh, going to doctors. But yes, it is true that uh, some kinds of depression are the result of chemical uh, or hormonal uh, imbalances, so they need to be corrected physically. But most of the time, or probably the vast majority of the time, when people go through uh, depression or the feeling depressed, uh, this has nothing to do with any, anything physically wrong with them. It's not, it's not uh, some hormonal imbalance or something. It is psychological. 
Also, it is uh, interesting and useful to, uh, to remember that uh, many times this is, uh, is something which is temporary. So, it happens at certain times in your life, you know, we call it the midlife crisis or the plateauing of uh, ambition or call it what you want, but uh, it, it's, it happens in, in phases. It's not as if you are going to be depressed, you know, all your life. Uh, so, having uh, ruled out that the depression is the cause of uh, hormonal imbalance and so forth. So, what else is there? So, what is the reason for depression and what must you do? And as I said, psychological depression is the result of frustration uh, which uh, builds up over time. Uh, so, what must you do? So, let me uh, quickly sort of share some thoughts on this. I'm not saying that there was no depression in agrarian times or in the olden times when people uh, the economy was agrarian, meaning it was dependent on agriculture. Uh, but definitely I can probably guess, uh, my statement is not based on, uh, uh, on statistical research, but it's guess based more on anecdotal uh, information. Uh, but I can probably say quite safely that the extent or the amount of depression was far less in uh, agricultural economies. And even to this day, that is probably the, probably the case. And one of the major reasons for it, and the reason I'm saying this is because this is how, is what we can apply in our times. One of the major, re major reasons for this is because people who are living in agricultural economies are subject to a very strong routine, which is beyond their uh, control. They can't, they can't do anything about it. If you're living on a farm, you have to get up in the morning and do certain things. There is no way that you can sleep till 11 o'clock in the day. No way. You have to wake up at the crack of dawn and you have to go milk the cows and you've got to let the chickens out and you've got to pick up the eggs and you've got to open, open some gates and you've got to turn the water on and you've got to do this and that and that and that. And this has to be done rain, moon or sunshine, winter, summer or autumn. No matter what, this routine has to be done. Doesn't matter if you're, if you're feeling good or bad or sad or glad or mad, you have to do certain things. There is no alternative <coughs> to that. So, one of the biggest aids to fight depression is a very strong routine. Now, in uh, our current kind of uh, economies, where we live in, we don't live on farms, we think that uh, milk comes out of a bottle and egg, uh, eggs come out of a, uh, off the shelf. Uh, for us, we have to create a strong routine. And our problem is our freedom. Yes, I can set an alarm, but yes, I can also turn the alarm off. Snooze. So, our freedom is our biggest enemy. The farmer can't do that. He can't turn the cow off. Right? I can't tell the chicken to go snooze. <laughs> See, there's no way. I mean, he has to get out of his bed. He's got to do what he's got to do. I mean, but in our, in our uh, you know, modern world, uh, these are some of the issues. Second is also our freedom with regard to, therefore, coming out of this, is our freedom with regard to how we structure our time. One of the big benefits of a strong routine is that the routine structures your time. There are some things you have to do at certain times of the day and you have no uh, freedom about that. You know, you have to, suppose you have to 
you know, so say, uh, share some corn or, or mow the grass and, and, and bale the hay. You are going to do that at what time? 11 o'clock in the night? When will you do that? <coughs> there is a You have to do that in daylight. I mean, there is no way that you can go and do that in the night. You can't say, well, no, I don't feel like it now. I'm going to do that in the, at, at 10 o'clock in the night. No way. It has to be done at a particular time. So one of the big benefits of a strong routine is that it uh, fixes and structures your time, which is the which is a structured time or structure in your time is the great secret behind baraka in time. Now we were just talking uh, before uh, Zohar about the productivity of our Salaf, the scholars of the Salaf, the, the, the great scholars of this deen. We were, talking about the, we were talking about their productivity. And roughly time period we are talking about is between the 12th and 13th centuries. We are now, for those of you who are not aware, we are now in the 21st century, right? Uh, so we're talking about 12th or 13th century. We are talking about people whose productivity was so phenomenal that if you, if you simply take a list of what they read and what they wrote, it looks like a fairy tale. But this is a historical fact. I mean, it's not a matter of belief. They wrote, Imam al Nawawi wrote how many books? Rahmatullahi. I, you, know, no, you can't deny that. And they did all of that without the aids we have today. They didn't have uh, computers and, you know, word processing programs and all kinds of... Uh, they did that by hand. They sat and wrote. How did they do that? And they had the same 24 hours. It's not as if the, uh, you know, the world used to spin slower and in those days. Same, same 24 hours. They did that because of a very clear and uh, strong structure of their time. So the first thing to keep in mind as far as uh, depression is concerned is create a strong routine which will drive you. That's very, very important. Create a strong routine which will drive you. Um, second one, which also I go back to the farming analogy, which is physical exercise. Just moving your body. Not necessarily going to the gym and so on. If you go to the gym, well, good for you. But you don't need to go to a gym for that. But basically, physically moving your body, right? In a farm, you have to do that. There is no way that you can just sit in one place. You have to physically move your body. You are chasing animals. You are doing this. You are opening these gates and doing whatnot and so on and so forth and driving tractors. You have to physically move your body. Once again, here we have got used to a life cycle where we don't move. You sit in one place and uh, then you eat and then your body changes shape. <coughs> Somebody says, get into shape. You say, well, I am in shape. Round is a shape. Uh, what more shape do you <laughs> But believe me, there's nothing romantic about looking like a pregnant cow, right? So we have to change our ways of... Uh, so physically move your body. Now what happens when you, when you do exercise? What happens when you physically move your body? There is something called endorphin which gets released into the blood. And that endorphin is an antidepressant drug. It is the only legal <laughs> drug that you can use. And you don't have to buy it from somewhere. It's in the body. And that comes out of physical exercise. So just go and get some sweat. The main thing is that you should sweat. You must do exercise until you sweat. 
Uh, aerobic is a good thing. So, you know, cycling or running or uh, walking or whatever, though that's a very good way of doing that. Also, anaerobic exercise, which is lifting weights and so which Lifting weights, incident is a very good way because the effect of that lifting of weights stays for a much longer period than the effect of uh, aerobic exercise. So, <coughs> exercise, regular, again, routine. There must be a time when you get up and you do it no matter what. And believe me, it's a push. I mean, sometimes it, you feel so lazy, you say, ah, not today, well, tomorrow, that you're done. You just committed suicide. I mean, it's as bad as that. So you have to get up and do it, make that part of your strong routine, and you will find that the depression will go away because of the endorphins. Third thing is now looking in, 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 the, in the mind and looking to how the deen comes into this, which is to consciously make shukar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalla. Just think about this. Today we are sitting here in the same city of Hydro. Three weeks ago, the temperature was 43 degrees. Today the temperature is 25 degrees. There's a little drizzle outside. There's a beautiful breeze blowing. What must we do? How many people did you hear complaining about that 43 degrees? How many people do you hear saying, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Ramadan so easy for us. On the first day of Ramadan, temperature dropped by 10 degrees. 43 to 33. How many times have you heard this? This is the problem of this Ummat of Muhammad sallallahu We have become people who have no shukr. We only complain. Let it rain for a couple of days, now they will complain about this. Kya barish hai, bahar is nikal ne ko nahi aara. Khai ko ja raha hai, mar ne ko bahar. Ghar baito ghar mein sukun se. Nahi phir rata kya? Ye na shukra pana jo hai na, iti. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said very clearly, La in shakar tum, la azidan nakum. Wa la in kafar tum, inna azabi la shadid. So what is the azab for lack of shukar? Depression. Negative, 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 negative. This is the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is coming on you because you do not want to make shukar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Huh? Whatever Allah may do in the akhirah and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for khair and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to do anything bad for us in the akhirah, do, do us good inshallah. But I am saying that in this dunya itself, what is the benefit of shukar? What is azidannakum? How does, it, how does the blessing increase? Because by being aware of that thing, it enhances the enjoyment of it. Haywaichi is the same thing. The same biryani you are eating. But you smell subhanallah. Look at the look of this thing, you know. Chawal noodles ke waisa haywale wale bhai. Allah chawale. The basmati is so long. Yeah? It's like. And then there is, you can, you can see the zafran in this. You can smell the aroma of the zafran. Abhi khana bhi nahi churu ha. Mada le raha. Everyone sitting in the time of fasting, you can actually start smelling the, the zafran. <laughs> He starts smelling the zafran already. 
کتنی بڑی نعمت اللہ تھنک اباؤٹ دٹ کتنی بڑی نعمت اللہ کی واٹ ہیوج نعمت آف اللہ سبحان دیٹ جسٹ شکر الون دی اویئرنیس اینہینسز دی انجوائمنٹ آف دیٹ تھنگ آئی اسٹل ریمبر آئی ناؤ اٹس اے لانگ ٹائم مینی ایئرس انس آئی ایکچولی یوز دا پین اینڈ پیپر تھینکس ٹو دا کمپیوٹرز اینڈ سو آن اینڈ سو آن Uh, and I was doing, I was typing this morning and that phrase express, the program, you know, it gives you one. So it says your typing speed is 250 characters per second and this will be used as uh, uh, the framework to see for saving and what not, what not. So, uh, per minute, not per second, 245 per second, which means, per minute, which means what, 60 minutes, 60 seconds, divide that by that, so many characters per second. But when I, I still remember, I, in my mind I can recall, I like to write with an ink pen with a thick nib, a flat nib, on bond paper, executive bond paper. I can still feel and, you know, appreciate and enjoy the feeling of the pen moving on the paper. Just the sensation of that. اب تک اس کا ایسا ایسا تھا میرے کو لکھتے سو اب وہ عادت چھوٹ گئی آئی ہیونٹ بین ڈوئنگ اٹ فار یو نو آئی ایز ٹو رائٹ ایون ناؤ آئی رائٹ ناؤ آئی رائٹ ایون مور بیکاز آف تھینکس ٹو دا کمپیوٹر آئی ایم سینگ دیٹ جسٹ تھاٹ تھنک اباؤٹ نتھنگ ایز چینج سیم پین سیم پیپر واٹ ناٹ سیم تھنگ یو آر رائٹنگ گڈ بیڈ اور ربش بٹ دا جسٹ دی سینسیشن آف یو انجوائنگ اٹ دیٹ انجوائمنٹ دس از دا شوکر آف اللہ سبحان So there are many ways. One way is to say, well, you know, my eyesight used to be 20-20, now everything looks like there's dust on it. But the other way is to say, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us the ability, the specs which you put on your glasses. And not only can you see more clearly, you actually now look more learned. <laughs> Thanks to the glasses. The sugar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the, this is an antidote for depression. Now, how will you make shukar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? By thinking of what would life be like if I did not have this. A man came to Sayyidina Amar ibn al-Khattab gave a khutbah on shukar. So there was somebody listening to that. When he came out of the masjid, this man, he told him, he said, what is this? You are giving this khutbah about shukar. He said, look at me, what do I have to be thankful for? He said, Mirko, what do I have? He said, I am a poor man, I am hungry, I have got nothing. What you are telling me, you are saying, make sugar of Allah. What, what sugar I should make? What sugar should I What do I have to thank Allah for? So then Amar Adelano said, can you urinate without pain? Can you urinate without pain? He said, yes. He said, thank Allah for that. Ajeeb. Ask somebody who has urinary tract infection, UTI. It is agony. They stop drinking water because, they, and then the kidneys fail because of that. I mean, one problem leads to a bigger problem. Right? They stop drinking water because they don't want to go to the toilet. They don't want to, anytime they, it urinates like it's on fire, you know, it's, a, it's so terribly painful. To avoid that, they stop drinking water, they enter that, and as a result of that, kidneys fail. <coughs> you got a bigger problem. As somebody who has constipation, the value of going and emptying your bubbles and saying, 
I don't say Swan and Abdullah there, but when you at least come out. <laughs> at least when you come out, say, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused, you know. Kitta bada sugar kichi hai, jisko hota hai, usko puchho. Pareshan rata admi, whole time, you know, eating, I have to eat this, I must eat that, ye karo, wo karo, kya karo, only to go to the toilet. There was a friend of mine who had an operation. He had an abdominal some surgery and so on. So, one of the things, I have been through the same process, so I know this. So, one of the things which happens when you are recovering after surgery is to pass, pass motion. Because after general anesthesia, your entire digestive system and everything gets anesthetized. So, for it to get back into action, you know, do you pass a free motion? This is one of the parameters that they do. So I asked my friend and he said, you know, this, uh, everything is fine, but this motion and so on. So I said, man, thank, thank God for this because this is the only time where, where the fact that you went to the toilet will be a matter of news. Huh? <laughs> so it's good, no? You're, you're famous now. Did you go to the toilet? This is a matter of, it's a news now. So we so thank Allah for this thing, that you, this is the news for you. So thanking and shukr consciously making sure. Then point number four is... Dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ala bi dhikrillahi tatma innul khuloob. In the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is itminan of the qalb. There is peace of mind, there is tranquility, there is lack of stress, there is lack of depression. So make a lot of dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jalla jalalhu. So and that as I said, reading Quran, praying nawafil, or simply just making istighfar for example and one of the best absolutely the number one best dhikr especially against depression is durood and salam on rasulullah <coughs> so send lot of salat and salam on Nabi because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent salam 10 times on the one who sent salam on Nabi one time so recite a lot of durood continuously let not your tongue be silent and, uh, you know, uh, keep it conscious and, I mean, moist with the dhikr of Allah. Uh, and durud is the dhikr of Allah. So, send a lot of salam on Rasulullah Then the fifth thing is, consciously look at the positive side of everything. Positive side of everything. For example, 43 degrees temperature. Now you might say, what's positive about that? What's positive is no mosquitoes. No mosquitoes. You are completely free from mosquitoes. Positive side of that. Once the rain starts, mosquitoes. What is the positive side of that? Alhamdulillah, temperature is 25 degrees. So there is something positive. And believe me, this is, this is not a... This is something... There is something positive in every single thing. Now you might say, here is this person who is a constant aggravation in my life and you know, every time I see him, uh, he does some nonsense and you know, what's positive about that? What is positive? That is the most positive thing that can happen to you in your life. How? He is teaching you sabr and when you make sabr, what happens? Inna Allah is with you. I'm not joking, eh? seriously. How did Allah come with me? Because of this guy. If this aggravator was not there, 
Maybe I would have been in ghaflat somewhere, you know. But now because he comes into my life and creates some bloody tamasha there, Alhamdulillah, my Rabb is with me. As long as I don't get into that, I, I must not hook myself into that and I also start creating nonsense. No. I am having, I make sabr and shukr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It has two positive effects. It will make him madder. <coughs> and Allah is with you. Both are good things. Huh? Third benefit of that is, Rasulullah said, if you do not respond in anger, somebody angered you, cursed you, what not. If you do not respond in kind, he said, I, for the one who does not do that, he said, I guarantee him a palace in the middle of Jannah. He said, Alhamdulillah. And the brother is cursing you. He said, Mashallah, please, one more. <coughs> I want to start a real estate business in Jannah. You know, one palace for me and then I'll rent out the others. <laughs> no renting in Jannah. <laughs> so, I'm just trying to show or share really, not show, but for myself to say that even in things which are Obviously, there is negativity in it. I'm not saying that the negativity is not there or you are imagining it. No, there is negativity. But in that negativity, how can I see something positive? And what you are seeing positive is not something you imagine. It is also there. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has created every coin has two sides. There is this, this side, this side. Both are there. <coughs> we choose to see what we want to see. Someone gave a beautiful example. They said this man comes back from office and he's, you know, he's wearing this $2,000 suit, you know, Armani. Right? And, uh, so he does fantastic thing. And as he is coming, his little daughter comes running and he says, Daddy, and she hugs him. And she kisses him and then he realizes that she has been eating chocolate. So now he's got this Pauperance of chocolate on his armani and he's got chocolate on his shirt and his tie and whatnot. Now he has two choices. What is his, what are the choices? He says, Hey, this kid, my God, he has ruined my two thousand dollar suit. That's one, one, one option. The other option is to look at the love of his little daughter and say, Wallah, this is worth more than two thousand dollars. Choices. Choices. Our choices. Life does not compel us to do this or that. Life produces, presents choices before us. <clears throat> we choose how you want to see that. You have somebody who works for you, for example. One of the big problems which happens and the reason why leadership does not get developed, especially in Muslim organizations, is because we choose to see competence as a threat. So you get a competent youngster who is working for you, the first thing you start doing, people like me, old codgers, is to try to see how to kill him. Physically we can't do it, at least not easily. So, psychologically kill him, destroy his confidence in some way or the other, so he is no longer a threat. Now what is your choice? Your choice is to see the competence of the person and say, Alhamdulillah, I found somebody who one day will take over from me and do a better job than I have ever done. But if you are living in a state of, a threatened state yourself, 
then you don't want someone to do a job better than you, what is the natural result of that? It's a zero-sum game. Each student is less than the teacher, so finally, you produce Iblis. <laughs> huh? How is it possible? We talk about Imam Bukhari, Rahmatullah. Imam Bukhari had teachers. Now, I'm not sit, telling you to sit, sit here and judge the teacher of Imam Bukhari and say who was big, who was small. But the point is, I can absolutely guarantee you that some of the things, or at least, I mean, take Bukhari Sharif itself. Who wrote Bukhari Sharif? Imam Bukhari or his teacher? <coughs> so if you put that as a standard to say this work of a muhaddis to create a book like Bukhari Sharif, it is Imam Bukhari's work, not his teacher's work. The teacher, did the teacher contribute to that? Yes, of course, indirectly by the training and so on and so forth. No, no doubt about that. We are not denying that. But I am saying that whose work is that? Whose work is Ihaululum? Al-Ghazali's work or somebody else's work? But how would the Ghazali have developed and how would, the, how would Imam Bukhari have developed and so on if they had not been allowed to if they had been put down. But that is one of the things which we, which we do, which we really seriously should think about and say, do not do things like this. Make sure that you develop people. So look at the, consciously look at the positive side of everything. Then, <clears throat> another way of doing that, another way of shokar and another way of looking at the positive side of everything is to look at people who have less than you. I'm not saying look down on them. I'm saying look at people who have less than you. You know, say the old we, problem is we, we all have got used to these proverbs, living in proverbs. I complained about not having shoes until I saw somebody who had no feet. You know, we must have heard this. A big, famous proverb in English. Issue is not just the issue is to actually put yourself in that situation and say, Wallah, how much of thankfulness I must have to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I am in not that situation. I'm not in that situation. How many of us have not seen people picking garbage or picking food, leftovers out of garbage bins? Is there anyone who has never seen that in your life? We live in countries which is where this is normal. I have seen this in the United States, in Mayfair in New York. I have seen this in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. People picking leftover food, leftovers from garbage bins to eat. So just because the country is wealthy means nothing. Now what must, what must I do? Alhamdulillah I did it but what must we do when we see something like this? Of course we must help the person, no doubt about that, try to do something, give them some, whatever you can give them. But I am saying also thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not put me in that situation. The problem with a lot of people in depression is they think that whatever they have is insufficient, insufficient and it is a God-given right. You believe me, there is a friend of mine, a psychiatrist friend of mine from Nagpur who treats, he treats specifically rich kids, the kids of wealthy people, children of wealthy people. He tells me, he said, I treated a girl who was in depression and she became suicidal. And he said, I treated her and her complaint was, my father just gave me an S-class Mercedes Sports. She's depressed about that. 
I said, give me your azab. Give me your headache. Very happy for you. This is the this is the this is the azab of Allah for not having sugar. This is the azab of Allah for not having sugar. So <coughs> look at people who have less than you and then get involved in helping them. Believe me, it will take your mind off your depression like nobody, like one second you will be off because now you are involved with those people. You are trying to help them and see how can I help them, how is this, how can a person eat out of a garbage. No, 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 no. You come with me, please. I will take you to a restaurant, I buy you food, I will help you and then of course you don't eat only one meal, you are not an anaconda, so you will need, you need food also tomorrow. So therefore you need to, you know, I let me figure out a way where, it's not like, you know, give one chicken and he's good for the next six months, no. You have to give him periodically, so well, you know, how, what is the way and so on. So you get involved now in developing and in social work <laughs> and so forth, which will take away your depression. And then another very, very important thing, which is make hijrat. Move away from that thing which is causing this depression. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's an individual, whether it's a situation. There are some things which are net energy drains. I can remember two very significant incidents in my life where I took this decision to move away which was a phenomenally beneficial decision for me. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. But it takes that you have to cut with a sharp knife. You have to decide that this thing is going nowhere. So I have to say, Salaamu Alaikum, goodbye. I did that twice in my life. Two very, very significant things. And Alhamdulillah, I never regretted that. I have been very grateful to Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enabled me to take those two very tough decisions. But Alhamdulillah, I took them and I, as I, said, I never look back. But that you have to do. So see in your life, what is it that is dragging you down? If you are swimming and if you've got a big weight around your neck, what is the first thing you should do? Swim harder or cut that rope and drop that weight? Which one? Cut the thing, drop the weight. I mean, unless you drop the weight, that thing is going to drown you. No matter how hard you swim, it's going to drag you to the bottom because that weight around your neck, you cannot swim with that. So even if you are the best swimmer in the world, it will still kill you. So cut that thing. Remove it. Yes, it will be painful because you have invested a lot of time and emotion and so on and so forth into that, into that relationship or into that, uh, you know, career option or what not. And, and always that thing is, oh my God, I spent all this time, I spent so many years, I did all this work. Believe me, cut your losses. That is cheaper than putting good money behind bad, as we say in business. Some people have, you know, businesses where it's, it's a drain. It's that thing is, a, it is sucking you dry. But you don't want to cut because you feel, oh, but you know, if, I, if this goes, what will I do? Or I, already I put so much into this. Now how do I... That's the worst way of thinking. Because that will never go anywhere. And the more you put, the, it's, like a, it's like a never-ending, you know pit, no matter how much you put it, it will never fill up. So the best thing to do is to cut it, khalas, forget it, whatever happened, happened, good, that is my learning, this is the fee I paid to learn how to live. End of story, I have graduated just now, Salaam Alaikum, goodbye. 
So that is a very important thing to do is make hijrah get out of that situation. And finally, last one is to create a life goal. Now, one of the best ways of creating a life goal is to read biographies. Read biographies. Yeah? Biographies of people who uh, are significant people and so on and so forth. So, the seerah of Rabbi Sallallahu is obviously the number one biography you should read. But also biographies of other people. Some of the ones which I have benefited greatly from is, uh, the, is, is, is uh, Nelson Mandela's hmm? Long Road to Freedom. Uh, and a couple of others, there is one of uh, biographies of Jadi Tata which is uh, Over the Blue Mountain, which is again very, very good one. Another one I read is uh, of Genghis Khan, uh, written by a man called, uh, his name is Man, John Man. Two things, two fantastic, one is on Genghis Khan and the other one which he wrote which is also fantastic is on, uh, on Sultan Salahuddin. Uh, Ayubi. Very, very well written and literally that Sultan Salahuddin Ayubi's uh, biography written by this guy called John Mann, uh, that last page of it and his last statement on it is, I tell you, I mean, it literally it sort of uh, cut the earth from under my feet. So read biographies. Now, having said that, and I've written a biography as well. My biography, please read it. It's uh, cost 200 rupees. My, my 63 years of life is worth 200 bucks. So you have to spend that much and read it. So, um, and if you buy it in dollars, it's only seven dollars. So it's, you know, even less, even cheaper. Oh, <laughs> Now, point is this. And this is a question that will happen with all biographies. Now, in my biography, for example, you will find uh, incidents where I uh, spent a lot of time in the forest. So, I've written a lot about forests and what I did there and so on and so on. Um, I spent time in the tea gardens, 10 years in, in uh, South India in the Nilgiris. I spent five years in, the, in bauxite mines in uh, South America, in, in Guyana. Now, you might say, well, you know, the strength, and alhamdulillah, this is a strength of mine, which is that my life is so varied, has been so varied over so many countries, so many nationalities, uh, so many different kinds of things, uh, that it has helped me enormously in many things which I do today. So, you might say, well, you know, this is a nice, uh, interesting biography. I hope, you'll say, I hope you will say that. So, it's a nice, interesting biography. But where am I going to find now tea gardens to work in? How will I go to Guyana to some bauxite mine? How will I go to the Amazonian rainforest? How will I go to the Aravallis or to the, uh, to the, to the, to the, to the forests uh, of uh, central India and uh, spend time uh, there? I, for me, it's not possible. How do I do that? So, legitimate question, right? You read Nelson Mandela's biography, I say, well, Nelson Mandela is from, you know, where is the freedom movement that I can now lead and where is that? How, how will I create it? So, this is a question that is going to come, come with any biography that you read, which is the actual content of that individual. Same thing with the Sira, for example, Nabi Salaam's life. The actual content is not replicable. So, you might say, well, how does it help me? It helps you by opening your mind to the fact that reading that content, you have to now create your own bauxite mine. You have to create your own in sources of inspiration from your life. So, the lesson from it, the source of inspiration from it, 
is possible in everyone's life, no matter where you are living, how you are living. Actual content is not important. That content is for that individual. Alhamdulillah, it, it's a nice story. It helps me to think, open my mind. But I can and must create my own content. My own source of inspiration. So, please do this. And you will realize that by the time you do all of this, your depression is gone and it's now time to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah. وصلى الله على نبي الكريم وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين برحمتك يا رحمه الله <تصفيق>